Once again, Benjamin Mushatama, right here on African Dialogue, where we look at the big conversations that are happening on the African continent. Thank you for joining us on the shortwave frequency, 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. And also we on DSTV on channel 802. Yes, uh, you can also listen to us uh, via streaming on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, this term African leadership seems to be on everyone's mouth and it was exactly that last week at the African Leadership Forum that was taking place in Johannesburg that brought together former presidents of South Africa, Tanzania, and also uh, it brought also the uh, former states of Nigeria, Tunisia, Malawi, Somalia to really have a robust debate around the current status of African leadership. We'll look back at that uh, gathering and uh, look at uh, really dissecting it today. So we'll do that after our news. We've got Anne Musa standing by. In the headlines, the United Nations calls for the immediate release of the most vulnerable migrants held in Libya. U.S. President Donald Trump expected to visit Texas to survey the response to the devastating tropical storm Harvey. And South Africa's ruling ANC in the South African Communist Party agrees to have an intense discussion on the state of the, state of the alliance. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musa. The United Nations has called for the immediate release of the most vulnerable migrants held in Libya, many of whom have been subjected to appalling human rights abuses, including extreme violence. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres says migrants continue to be subjected by smugglers, traffickers, members of armed groups and security forces to extreme violence in the country. Representatives of the UN mission in Libya visited detention centers for unauthorized migrants in Haryan, Tripoli, Misrata and Sermon. Earlier, the head of the United Nations support mission in Libya, Hassan Salame, made a plea while addressing the Security Council for the first time in his key new role. He says Libya's future prosperity and stability depends on the international community further strengthening and unifying its efforts on behalf of the whole country. Salame painted a vivid picture of the insecurity, frustration and economic despair that has made Libya the epicenter for human trafficking towards Europe with many of the hallmarks of a failed state. The UN stands willing and able to act in the best interests of all Libyans at equal distance from all parties. I very much hope that with the trust of our Libyan partners and the confidence of the regional organizations and concerned member states who are able to strengthen and unify our collective efforts and together restore Libya to its rightful place in the family of nations, one united, stable and prosperous country. 
South Africa's ruling ANC and the South African Communist Party, the SACP, have agreed to have an intense discussion on the state of the alliance in two weeks' time. The meeting was planned to take place but was later rescheduled because both parties were not well prepared. This much-anticipated meeting follows calls by the SACP for President Jacob Zuma to step down its demand for reconfigured alliance and the party's resolution to contest future elections independently. SACP spokesperson Mkle Kwangumalo explains. In our meeting with the ANC, we realized that the ANC had uh, some items that they thought were quite important for the meeting. And also we also had other items that we also thought were quite important for that meeting. Then in our discussions, we realized that we were both not ready for the meeting because we had not dealt with those small things like the agenda for the meeting. And then we agreed that it will be proper to assign the secretariat of both the ANC and the party to sit down and prepare properly for the meeting in terms of the reprioritization of all the items and reconvene the meeting agently, not later than two weeks' time. U.S. President Donald Trump is expected to visit Texas to survey the response to the devastating tropical storm Harvey. The storm has brought flooding to Texas and have killed nine people. Trump is scheduled to arrive in Corpus Christi, where, near where Harvey came ashore on Friday, as the most powerful hurricane to hit Texas in more than 50 years. The president will later go to the Texas capital, Austin, to meet state officials, receive briefings, and tour the emergency operation center. Meanwhile, officials in Texas estimate that around 450,000 people will need help because of the flooding caused by the tropical storm Harvey. President Donald Trump has promised swift action to provide federal government assistance for the states. A record amount of rain has fallen on the city of Houston, the BBC's James Cook reports. On the rooftops of flooded houses, many more are still waiting to be rescued. In desperation, all they can do is to cling on and call for help. In Houston alone, more than 20 helicopters are flying rescue missions. But pulling people from the floods is delicate and it is dangerous. And as Texas brings in 12,000 soldiers from the National Guard to help, the state also has to prepare for a presidential visit. Recapping the top stories, the United States calls for the immediate release of the most vulnerable migrants held in Libya. U.S. President Donald Trump expected to visit Texas to survey the response to the devastating tropical storm Harvey and South Africa's ruling ANC and the South African Communist Party agrees to have an intense discussion on the state of the alliance. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Remember, we're on our various platforms, as I mentioned, Shortwave, uh, where you can listen to us on 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. And uh, online, you can stream us on www.channelafrica.co.za. Don't forget that you can actually find us uh, on our uh, uh, DSTV audio bouquet on Channel 802 on that audio bouquet. Well, today we're looking back at uh, uh, the African Leadership uh, of 
forum that was taking place last week that brought together uh, former heads of states to really convene on the issue of uh, African leadership. And uh, it was taking place last week in Boxburg, east of Johannesburg. The two-day forum was actually convened by the presidents of South Africa and Tanzania, Tabombeki and uh, Benjamin Mkapa, former heads of state from Nigeria, Tunisia, Malawi and Somalia, yet the robust uh, uh, debate. A key concern was uh, that was central is how Africa continues to fail to resolve conflicts in countries which have been destabilized by either civil war, terrorism or regime change. Now, let's start listening to uh, one of our uh, correspondents that took place last week. Noman Bolani was there, and uh, she reported and highlighted some of the key areas uh, during this conversation. At least six African countries, namely Libya, Burundi, Togo, South Sudan, Central African Republic, and the Democratic Republic of Congo, are currently in fragile states with their governments struggling to resolve conflicts within. And this is why the topic of peace and security on the continent dominated the discussion at the African Leadership Forum on Thursday. Keynote speaker and former Nigerian president Olesigen Obasanju used Libya as a case study, saying the lack of intervention has left the country vulnerable. Libya's situation has remained unresolved since President Muammar Gaddafi was ousted and killed in 2011. The country continues to see unrest six years later. Obasanju says the instability creates an environment for extremist groups to infiltrate and take over. When ISIS leave Syria and leave Iraq and leave uh, everywhere in the Middle East, mm-hmm. the only place they may likely go now is Libya. And if they go to Libya, we will be, it will be unbearable for all of us from West Africa across to, uh, to Central Africa, up to um, Kenya, up to the north. I think it's only you here, President Abumbeki, that you may be Maybe uh, safe, yeah, maybe safe. Obasanjo's address ignited a debate as to whether or not intervention by African states was necessary to stabilize Libya. Former South African President Thabong Begi raised a point to say that a UN resolution was passed to allow NATO forces into Libya with the help of three African states. It was South Africa, Nigeria and Gabon. And all of them voted for that resolution. If they hadn't, that resolution would not have passed. It's quite obvious that those ambassadors of ours in New York would have consulted capital with regard to that resolution. And it's capital which said to them, vote for it, Africans. I'm saying if those three hadn't done that, that resolution would have failed. This prompted Namibia's international relations minister, Natembo Nandi Ndaitwa, to question the interests of some of the key international role players. If you look at the conflict areas we have now, which are so prolonged, you are talking about places where there are strategic nature resources. And the question I always put is why these countries where there are strategic resources we have such prolonged conflict. Who is benefiting? Right. Is right. it ourselves? Is it outside? Is it a mix? That is really a challenge that we have to face 
in order to solve these problems. Former Tanzanian President Jakaya Kikwete admitted to their failure to intervene, citing how even South Africa's attempts were in vain. He added that there's a fresh attempt to be made next month by a high-level panel that he would lead. But his predecessor, Benjamin Mkapa, interjected to say the failure to intervene in Libya and other African countries in conflict were due to poor leadership on the continent. I'm sorry, it may sound very arrogant, but the leadership is disorganized, the leadership lacks courage, and they don't have the guts even to defend their own national interest, let alone the continental one. On Friday, the forum will continue discussing this topic with hopes of reaching resolutions that can be implemented. This would include looking at international factors shaping Africa's response to peace and security. I'm Norma Bolani in Boxburg, east of Johannesburg. Well, that is really summing up uh, the atmosphere and the critical views that were coming from the various uh, former heads of state that were meeting at the African Leadership Forum last week in Boxburg, which is east of Johannesburg, South Africa. Now, just to unpack this issue of African leadership and also in attendance uh, at this uh, gathering was Professor Anthony van Nukerke, who is joining us. He's from the Witt School of Governance. Professor, thank you for giving us your time. Thank you very much. Good morning. Now, it was actually interesting to see this gathering of former heads of state. Most of them were very central in the beginning stages of the transformation of the African Union uh, before it actually uh, was actually transformed from the organization of uh, African unity. From your perspective, listening to these various figures such as the uh, Tabombekis and the Olusegun Bosanjo's views, what were your thoughts around their critical views in terms of African leadership? Well, you know, if, um, if you're an elected president or a head of state and you serve your political party in your, your government and your country, then diplomacy requires you to tone down some of your um, inner thoughts. Uh, and even if you think that uh, Africa is being exploited by the very same people that we rely on to assist us with peacekeeping uh, budgets, you don't speak out too loudly. So there is a diplomacy at play that uh, that prevents sitting heads of state from speaking out. The advantage of the African Leadership Forum and the way that it's conceptualized, uh, meeting annually, bringing together between 7 and 10 to 11 of these former heads of state, is precisely to overcome that particular drawback. Uh, so, indeed, we've heard over two days, a, a, a Thursday and a Friday, um, very prominent and well-respected former heads of state who spoke out uh, relentlessly against the failure of what they perceive to be enlightened, constructive, forward-looking leadership on the continent. Mm. deal with a range of conflicts that we still suffer from on the continent. And I must tell you that it was refreshing to hear, you know, a sobering analysis and some very real uh, uh, critiques of the problems that we faced with. 
And also, that, that, what do you think were the central themes? I know that uh, the issue of um, a conflict and, and, and civil wars and uh, the issue of terrorism and regime change were some of the issues that were central in terms of uh, the critical aspects that were brought by the various uh, uh, former statesmen. Your thoughts that, of something that actually stood out for you, Professor? I think there were uh, two or three or maybe four um, key themes that, um, that ran through the, the conference, uh, like a golden thread, if you want, bringing together the, um, the bewildering array of issues on the peace and security agenda of the African continent. Uh, without an overall vision or a focus, then one can very easily lose track uh, of, of in which direction the continent ought to go. And indeed, the first uh, very prominent message from President uh, Obasanjo, who was the keynote and a very good speaker, <laughs> um, was that Africa needs an overall roadmap, a clear vision of what it wants in terms mm. of peace and security. What he is saying, in my view, if you deconstruct that me- message, is Although uh, we have adopted a vast array of sophisticated policy frameworks, protocols, and strategies relating mm-hmm. to peace and security, and if you want, I can make you that list. <laughs> it's a daunting <laughs> list. It's sure. intimidating. It's very sophisticated. <laughs> sure. You know, we call it APSO, which is not the bank. It's the African Peace and Security Architecture. Uh, and it cascades from the AU level down to the REC, which is not car accidents, but um, regional economic communities uh, involving countries on the national, regional, and continental level, even reaching up to the A, to the UN and the and the EU. Mm. It's really sophisticated. But what these former heads of state are saying is, this is too much. Uh, we are fluttering around with too many of these policy frameworks and we're mm-hmm. not implementing mm-hmm. uh, any of them in reality. And that's the first message is the overall, the lack of an overall vision that binds together the, the, the leaders of the continent and indeed the citizens. And um, that, that led to another reflection, a bit quieter, but nevertheless, mm. the question of whether Agenda 2063 is a roadmap that will serve us or serve Africa and its citizens well. Mm. It's another example of a sophisticated framework mm. that uh, I think the ordinary citizen would question because what does it really mean sure. for the man and the woman and the child who needs all sorts of immediate human security Great, yeah. and, and confidence. Yeah, that's right. So that's the first couple of big messages that came through. The second one, this is my own view now, mm. uh, my interpretation is perhaps we are relying too much on uh, elected politicians to lead us out of trouble. <laughs> because often they lead us into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Many of them overstay their welcome. Mm, mm. And again, you know, I don't have to give your listeners the list of the politicians who now try to manipulate constitutions mm. to pretend to be legal in overstaying sure, their welcome. Sure. The third term, a fourth term, they're 80, they're 90 years old, mm. uh, and we sit with a youth bulge and indeed... The other thing that came through the conference is from young people. Mm. If we don't inspire them with confidence, they will simply override anything and everything that we do 
as the current generation of decision makers and take the and take the future into their own hands. Well, it can, um, be, it can be constructive, but it can also be destructive. Mm, and so there, mm. that theme came out very powerfully. Well, stay with me, Professor Van Nieuwkerk, because uh, you're highlighting various uh, uh, issues uh, that uh, need to be actually dissected further. But we're also going to be joined after our break by another big mind in African uh, politics and uh, African innovation is uh, Professor Mamomucho, who's a research chair in innovation studies at the Faculty of Economics and Finance at the Twane University of Technology, who was also attending the summit. It will be great to get his views around uh, uh, what he thought was were critical aspects of this gathering. Let's take a quick break. It's 11.20 Central African time. We'll be back after this. Game is a program dedicated to SMEs and entrepreneurs on the African continent. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We're coming to you from Johannesburg, South Africa. It is a weekly entrepreneurial program that targets entrepreneurs, especially young entrepreneurs on the African continent. Before we even, you know, talk about the journey, please tell me what an entrepreneurologist is. <laughs> well, that's a question that I get um, everywhere I go. Catches every Friday at 1000 hours Central African time and Saturday at 1300 hours Central African time. Change your game, empowering the next generation of outstanding African entrepreneurs. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Yes, it is the African perspective. We don't shy away from that, that we want to give you the African viewpoint and the African perspective indeed. Thank you for joining us today on African Dialogue. Remember, we'll be with you until 12 o'clock midday, Central African time, 11.45 Central African time. We'll get our business news and then we'll also get our sports dates. So we still have a jam-packed show. Uh, do stay with us as we continue our discussion on the African Leadership Forum. One of my favorite commentators is joining us right now on our show, Professor Mamomuchi, who is on the line with us. Thank you, uh, Professor Mamomuchi. Your thoughts, you are attending the conference yourself. We've already unpacked some of the critical views uh, with uh, uh, Professor Anthony van Nieuwkerk there. Uh, but, uh, uh, Professor, what your thoughts, uh, Professor Muchi, in terms of what we took out of this gathering? Because it was very, very critical of the current events that are taking place place in the political landscape on the continent. Yes. Thank you for inviting me. But I, I, I thought the gathering was uh, very, very good. That uh, the former leaders uh, coming together and reflecting on what they went through and learning from their experience, passing messages for the current leaders in Africa. That idea itself, the concept itself, is very, very powerful and useful mm. because Africa suffers from leadership curse. Uh, we have a real leadership problem. We need to change the curse into a blessing. And if we have a good leadership, good governance, good institutions, good systems, then Africa is very rich as a continent. We are the richest continent on this planet. There is no doubt that the people of Africa, the well-being of all of us, will be uh, secured. To do that, we need quality leadership. 
at the moment our leaderships are not functioning as they should. So we still uh, suffer from uh, the, the main uh, area was peace and security. We still suffered from insecurity. Mm-hmm. We still have civil wars all over. I mean, in, in many parts of Africa. Sure. Sixty years of uh, decolonization. So it was a serious issue. They all raised. Let me tell you what I, I learned. They all raised the problems. I repeated these problems. They were discussed by all the leaders. What didn't come out very, very clearly and sharply is no good to just declare and say, let's, get, let's find peace and security, but how to do it? Mm. How do we go about doing it on that? I think the next, uh, the next meeting, next year, I hope they will have a meeting. I hope they set up working groups on different areas, sure. how, to, how to create a new the state, the economy, all different working groups. And we all do serious research, and we come out with some practical ways by which we can influence the leaderships from the African Union to all other parts of Africa. We really need to do that because Africa shouldn't suffer. We also have extraordinary values, really. I mean, mm. we have uh, Africa should be one family. The rest of the world can be our relatives. This is our Ubuntu, Ubuntu philosophy we have. We have a philosophy that will not only save Africa, but the whole world. So we have really everything with us. Well, the question we don't have is we don't value it. So we need to do this very strongly. And actually me, uh, myself, and uh, Professor Cheryl Hendricks, together from the University of uh, Johannesburg, we, we wrote uh, what should be done in the next meeting. For mm-hmm. example, we, we produced a two-page document about exactly what should be uh, doing. How do we create not any conflict, but a dialogue culture among us. We debate how to solve our problems. You know, the, 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 what, what, kind of what you're highlighting yeah. there, Professor, is something very interesting indeed, because some, of, some critics of this gathering themselves are saying that some of the leadership ills that we're seeing currently have been inherited from some of these leaders that we're seeing in terms of uh, when you look at uh, uh, Nigerian President Obasanjo, he's been yeah. very much criticized with the uh, ethnic divisions uh, in, in, the, in, in Nigeria themselves. Sabombeki, his very kind of uh, uh, solo style of leadership is something that he was criticized for within his national party. So he didn't actually have, have a follow-through uh, ideology on how to actually uh, pass over some of his knowledge to to the to the to the rest of of his political parties. So some of the, those criticisms do come out of these heads of states, former heads of states themselves, saying, "Well, we've inherited these problems because of you guys." Yeah. Now the key po- problem is, if there is a meeting of leaderships from the past, the main thing the leaders must do, the previous leaders, is to say, in the in the experience when we were uh, being leaders exactly what mistake did we make. They should be very honest, honestly. I, uh, that's what I, I really think we should ask them. What mistake did you make? What, what kind of influences did you have from the, all these forces that always uh, uh, imposed conditions on Africa? Because I must tell you, Africa develops the rest of the world. The rest of the, the world is not developing us still. We millions billions go out of Africa every year. 
There's a book written by a guy from Canada, a white man actually. He wrote a book on the betrayal of Africa. If, if you read that book, you'll, you'll cry, I'm telling you. Because huge amount of Syrians have gone out of Africa. Uh, Africa is a developer of the rest of the world. We, uh, we're not developing Africa, he says this guy. Now, what we should say mm-hmm. about the leaders, Nola, to be honest with you, about the leaders is they should say, all of them should say, this is the problems we have. I, I will never forget what I read when I was uh, in, in England. I was teaching at the university there. There was an economist which says about Sabon Beke, the enigmatic Sabo, he says. Mm. When, whenever we say to him, let's do this for you, he says no. When we don't want uh, to give something, he asks for it. Kind of thing. I don't know what it is, but they put it in the economist. Mm. I, mean, I mean, like that. What, what happens is, what are the pressures they are also facing from the rest of the world? How did they deal with that? Mm. How can we learn practically about the challenges we have? The other thing is, as Africans, we all are Africans. We share the same colonial history. We all are. It, the colonialism and apartheid didn't just come to South Africa. All of us were affected. So we have a shared, a shared challenge. Now, we should be able to say, what are the main common shared uh, ideas and practices that we must do together, no matter what? We, even our mm. right to be wrong must be ours. Our agency, our freedom must be ours. Mm, mm. What should be this be? Common, for example, we take the youth of Africa, maybe the agriculture, the resources of Africa. Wh- what do we do? We shouldn't, they shouldn't play games with us. Mm, uh, prisoner's dilemma. They, they give some money to you. Mm. You, you, you declare the Lagos Plan of Action in 1980. Then in 1981, the Berg Report, World mm. Bank comes and gives some money to you. Mm. And, and you, when you, they give you money, they say, don't tell Botswana what I give to Lesotho or Swaziland. And then what happens? Everybody is uh, confused. And they, 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 they put a very good plan. Then they practice something else, given what aid, small aid everyone gives them, despite the fact huge amount of resources flowing out of Africa. Mm. Well, I must tell you, even South Africa, or the mineral resources of South Africa, just the mining sector alone, is estimated to over three, nearly three million, uh, three trillion. Imagine you own South Africa, you all of you South Africans. There is a system to own it. If you do that, can I just tell you, all of you could be really rich. Mm. No one will starve. No one will be a beggar. Nothing, nothing like that. And, and this has happened in, in uh, Norway. Norway, when they got oil, they said, what should we do with it? Should we give it to the companies? Should we give it to the states? Should we give it to the people of uh, Norway? And they gave it to the people of Norway. They set up a fund. Now every Norwegian is a millionaire. And now the happiest index, the happiest uh, global index, number one nation is Norway. Mm. We, in, we in Africa, we have everything. Well, Why should anyone be a beggar? Why should anyone be shelterless? Professor, I have, to, Professor I, have to, I, I have to cut you we off there. Uh, I have to cut you off there because I need to take another break. But do stay on the line with me because I also have Professor Faniger uh, on the line there. And uh, I'm going to come back uh, to both of you and just to get uh, your final perspectives on the way forward. And I know that uh, Professor Mamamuchi highlighted the way forward there. But I'm going to take a quick break. It's 11.30 Central African time. We're looking back at this uh, leadership uh, 
uh, summit that uh, was taking place last week with heads of state gathering to discuss some of the pertinent issues on the African continent. Give us your thoughts at Channel Africa One. That's our Channel Africa uh, Twitter handle at Channel Africa One or at African Dialogue. Become part of our family there as well on Facebook. It's simply titled Channel Africa. Uh, that's our Facebook page. It's 11.31 Central African time. I'm going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and get our final sentiments from our guests. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunya Nzovu and you are listening to Channel Africa. We love Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Well, we're right in the action of the conversations that are happening on the African continent, and that's what we want to bring you, the African uh, perspective. And uh, this is African Dialogue with me, Benjamin Mushatama. Now, we know the big conversation that took place yesterday was actually also uh, when uh, uh, South African former President Tabombeki spoke and he was saying African countries need to work together in the fight against the global challenge of terrorism in order for peace to prevail on the continent. Mbeki was speaking on the final day of the African Leadership Forum. The forum is an annual event aiming at giving uh, former African heads of state a platform to debate matters affecting the African continent. There's an issue, of course, that's risen in terms of that global peace and security issue, which is the issue of, of terrorism. And it's challenging the continent, the, the whole Sahel. The Sahel is faced with this problem from Mauritania right up to Sudan, uh, Mali, Niger, Burkina uh, Faso, and so on, uh, Chad. There's no global architecture to deal with the problem of terrorism. Yet it confronts us, so it's one of the challenges that faces us. What do we do as a region? Some steps have been taken with regard to this. For instance, we know that with regard to the Sahel, there is a process which deals with the Sahel as a whole, because the view of all of the countries there, including the EU and the AU, where that the, it would be incorrect to deal with each one of these countries individually with regard to the matter of terrorism, because the phenomenon, the, the, the terrorists move across, across the Sahel. But I'm saying there is no global architecture to deal with this. But that's a challenge that as a continent we need to answer, to say, well, what do we do in a coherent manner as, as Africans? There's the issue of the relationship of the Arabian Gulf, the Gulf, with regard to the Horn of Africa in particular. The matter was raised with regard to Libya involvement. Uh, countries in the Horn of, in the, in the, in the Arabian Gulf of uh, in the Arabian Gulf in Libya, but also we face this matter with regard to the Horn of Africa. Our colleagues from Somalia will be very familiar with this, uh, but that's part of the, an element of Africa's position with regard to this global issue of peace and security. That's a matter that we still have to address. 
Well, that's the voice of former South African President Thabo Mbeki speaking at the African Leadership Forum in Johannesburg last week, uh, which uh, was very central in terms of really, really being critical at the current status of leadership on the African continent. On the line, we've got Professor Mamo Muchi, who is joining us all the way from Swaziland, uh, and uh, it's great to be speaking to him. He's a lecturer in technology innovations at the Tswana University of Technology in South Africa. Africa. We also have on the line uh, uh, Professor Anthony van Nieuwkerk, who is uh, from the Witt School of Governance. Uh, Professor, I want to come back to you because uh, we can say much that is uh, really, really wrong around the continent and we can be very critical of it. But something that was highlighted by Professor Mamomuchi in how do we actually create a very much coordinated effort between the technocrats, between government, between the public sector, uh, between civil society to actually make sure that we actually have something that's actually working to find solutions on the African uh, governance space. Yeah, Benjamin, allow me to, uh, to reflect again on the African Leadership Forum uh, and not give you my analysis of what's wrong with the world. Sure. You know, the first thing I have to, if, uh, the first thing I have to say uh, in response to uh, Professor Mucci is that the African Leadership Forum is not designed to solve the world's problems. It is also not designed to solve Africa's problems. It is a forum that attracts former heads of state and guests and participants. What they do is that they reflect on what they think needs attention in terms of governance on the African continent. At the two-day gathering, we had... Apart from the plenary session, which was opened by uh, President Obasanjo, we had three closed sessions where we discussed in some great detail matters of importance to the African continent. They include inclusive growth, the state of the economy. The second one was human uh, was rule of law and governance. The third one, the heart of the matter, are peace and security architecture. In the engagement over two days, and we had breakaway groups, by the way, that reflected on possible and potential interventions that could be taken forward. The big conclusion that emerged was that the forum is a catalyst, or it is a, it's a, it's a, a forum, indeed. It is a marketplace of ideas where people can test and be contested. One of the conclusions that we made was citizens who do not trust leaders might have to become more active in their own engagement with the problems of the continent. And if there are any conclusions out of this conversation that we had, it was that key institutions, such as Wangozi Institute, who are associated with, uh, with President Benjamin Mkaka, and the Pablo Mbeki Foundation, associated with President Mbeki, need to design jointly a program of action that can indeed begin to address some of the things that Professor Mucci is talking about. Uh, but that would have to be put in front of civil society more broadly. It is not going to be the case, if I may say so again, that the African Leadership Forum next year is going to come with resolutions to all the problems that we experience on the continent. That was not the design and the purpose of the meeting. Okay, let me bring it back to you, Professor Muchi, in terms of what are your thoughts of moving things uh, forward? I don't know if we've lost uh, Professor Muchi there. I think we've lost him there. But then I think, uh, uh, let me get your your final sentiments there. Uh, 
Professor Nikerga. I don't think we'll get back to uh, Professor Muchi because we have run out of time anyway. Uh, but in terms of uh, the voices of these former heads of state, how can we actually create a space whereby they're more interactive and current? we feel their currency even within the landscape of the current governance space? They've become almost peripheral uh, to the current uh, status quo of our governance structures. Um, what are your thoughts around that? The first thing I want to say is that uh, it's a question of what our colleague from Swaziland. Mm. Uh, I was ready to, I was ready to engage him. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, yeah, so, so maybe another day. But yeah. what I wanted to say is, is that the purpose of the African Leadership Forum is not for former heads of state to criticize current heads of state. Mm, mm. That is not the intention. Let me, let me tell you how difficult the issue of governance, development, democracy and progress is in Africa. Libya fell because part of the technicality there was that the African Voices on the Security Council, for a mysterious reason, voted in favor of the no-fly zone and Resolution 1973 that allowed NATO to invade the country and take out Muhammad Gaddafi. The former head of state reflected quite critically about what it is that actually happened on that day when the vote was taken. We have theories and we have hypotheses of who influenced whom, who bullied and pressurized whom, and so on and so forth. And there was a problem with communication between New York and the capitals where these three countries come, and so on and so forth. That gave rise to the conclusion that we need to be much more serious about our research and analysis to understand and lay of the land when it comes to African problems or African solutions for African problems. And indeed, I think one of my last uh, reflections now mm-hmm. is that the ALS challenged universities and professors and intellectuals to say, what is it that you are doing to help us better understand our condition? And if we have an opportunity to influence decision makers, elected leaders and government officials elsewhere, what is it that you would say as a professor to these people? And our conclusion was, our universities must play a critical role in the development of Africa. And if anything, my conclusion is, it is time now, the time is arriving for us to reset the button on the African Renaissance. We've learned a lot. We've learned better lessons. These African leaders that come to this forum can help us to further understand the dilemmas we face. But I think the time is right to say if we want to advance development, good governance, democracy, and a better life for all, then how do we reset the African Renaissance? That reset button, AR 2.0, is going to be the agenda item for the next couple of years. Well, thank you so much, Professor Fan Nyugerk, for giving us your time and your reflections on this very uh, pivotal uh, moment uh, for Africa. I think uh, these uh, warnings and the signs and these projections that we heard of last week are something that we cannot take for granted, but things that we can move forward using them as instruments of uh, a way forward for the continent. So thank you very much uh, for your insights. It was a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me.
Great. That's Professor Anthony van Nieuwkerk, who's joining us from the Witt School of Governance. Earlier on, we had a Professor Amuchi, who's joining us, who was joining us from Swaziland, but we had a disconnection with the line there. But we did have a jam-packed show today. Let's listen to some music. Well, this one is very relevant indeed. Uh, calling for a united continent, calling for a, a wealthy continent. This is Salif Keita, and this one is titled Africa. What a groove, what a jam right there from Salif Keita, uh, the griot from Mali. And that one was titled Mali. Takes us to our business news. Wisani Matebula is with us to give us that update.
Thanks, Benjamin. South Africa's National Union of Mine Workers has called on Harmony Gold Mine to intensify efforts to rescue the two remaining trapped miners at Kusasaletu Mine, west of Johannesburg. The bodies of three of the five miners who were trapped have been removed and recovered and mine rescue personnel are still searching for the remaining two. The miners were trapped after seismic activity on Friday morning beneath the surface at the mine. The union's health and safety secretary, Eric Gulichana. We are calling for this escalation because the last body was retrieved in early hours. Now it's about 24 hours already now. Nobody again uh, has been rescued. That is why we are calling for this uh, escalation and also that uh, the company must also consider more manpower. We are talking of experienced uh, miners and uh, team leaders who can assist in the process of fast-tracking, the process of recovering or rescuing the body. Botswana Mine Workers Union has made a plea to government to pay retrenchment packages owed to former miners at BCL Mine in Selebi Pikwe, the Union Secretary-General Mbiziyane Ramukate expressed disappointment that it, although promises were made to fully pay the BCL workers who lost their jobs late last year, not all of them have been paid. Jane Rabutata has more. Ramukate says that he found it very strange that the liquidator had found it right to tell the nation that the former miners have been fully paid when he knows quite well that they have not been paid their retrenchment packages. Given the failure to pay the lady off miners, BMWU says it will raise the issue when it meets the Minister of Mineral Resources, Green Technology and Energy Resources Advocate Sadiq Gibonang later this month. At least 6,000 workers at BCL Mine were laid off following the decision by the government to close down the Copper Nickel Mine and its sister company, Tati Nickel Mine, in Francistown. For Channel Africa News, Jane Rabutata. A German investigation into alleged accounting fraud by senior managers at Steinhoff's European operations could not have come at a worse time for its top shareholder, Christo Visa. The South African retail magnate is about to split Steinhoff's African businesses so investors can better judge the value of its faster-growing ones in the United States, Europe and Australia. He thinks doing so will improve returns for shareholders. And Mayfair Bank has become the newest member of the Kenyan Bankers Association, the banking industry's umbrella body, and the financial sector's lead advocacy group. This has raised KBA's membership base to 47 commercial and microfinance banks. Mayfair Bank, which was recently licensed by the Central Bank of Kenya, set to target the corporate market segment through its initial network of three branches. Financial indicators now, the U.S. dollar is at 13.04, South African rents 10, Botswana Pula and 8.97, Zambian Kwacha also at 0.77 to the British pound and 0.83 against the euro. Commodities gold currently at $1,315, platinum $984 per fine ounce, 